Hey, hey, hey. Yes, I think we are live. Hey, everyone, welcome to another episode of Film Trooper Presents Film Marketing Fridays, a live Google Hangout session. And today's uh, episode is sponsored by Paul Schrader. Not really, um, but Paul Schrader, the writer of Taxi Driver and uh, director of um, that awesome film with Lindsay Lohan called The Canyon or Canyons. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> but uh, Paul Schrader, I recently had said that I don't think anything about cinema in the last hundred years applies anymore. Not how we make films, not how we watch them, finance them, or pay for them. And that was Paul Schrader. So the question is, well, where do we go if things are changing, you know, so dramatically? Well, you can check out the new book, uh, How to Make and Sell Your Film Online and Survive the Hollywood Implosion While Doing It. And you can find this book as a Kindle, a audiobook, and a paperback book over at survivetheimplosion.com. And today's uh, topic for Film Marketing Fridays is what results do you want? And so that's what we're going to find out. And I will click onto my fat head here. Hey, everyone. There I am. I'm Scott McMahon, a fellow film trooper. And I'm joined by uh, guest filmmaker, Jamil Player. So you can now say hi to everybody, Jamil. Hey. <laughs> cool. That is a cool voice. <laughs> so Jamil um, has is we'll give a little bio what Jamil is up to. Um, I want to show this show this frame real quick so people know. Like, oh, so some visuals here. Okay, so you saw that. That's me. But Jamil has a feature film called Balling in the Fall of America when every when everything else fails. So, uh, and that is his film. He's the writer, the director, producer, cinematographer, the whole thing. And you can also find this film. Um, right now on Vimeo on Demand, and I'll show that uh, page right here. So there you can check it out. Uh, and uh, not only will you get to, you know, watch the film for only, you know, $6.99, but you get a chance to see the short film that led to this whole thing. That's part of the package. So it's very cool. So that is Balling in the Fall of America when everything else fails. And welcome, um, Jamil. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about I mean, you kind of get a gist of your biography, um, but what led you to the creation of this, uh, this feature film? Um, initially, uh, you know, I was, at first I started off as a uh, MC, a rapper. Um, I was doing several videos. Um, a friend of mine and partner, Ahmad X, he, um, he wanted to turn some of his poetry into visual film, like uh, videos. Um, so I, I, I let him borrow my camera. Um, it didn't come out well. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I would, you know, help my brother out. Um, uh, so that led to the first short film. Um, and after seeing the success of the short film and people really wanted to know, they wanted a, uh, you know, they really wanted a, a second one. It just really got me more into filmmaking. So that's the short story. I gotcha. So what... Um... What's your pitch? Like if somebody wanted to know more about what your film was about, like to say, if I bumped into a, a film fest or whatever, and like right now, like, Hey, so I, tell me what is, what is, what is your film about? Like balling and, and falling. I would tell them that it's pretty much about uh, a black male in America suffering during uh, the economic downturn. Um, and at the same time, you know, being, uh, well, what I can say, you know, humbly is that most people who have saw this film, they really relate to the character, you know, uh, 
even all the things with even with infidelity and the things that go on is just I think it just really hits home to uh, the urban culture of, of Black America. Interesting. You know what's fascinating from you know I haven't I only seen the trailer and the uh, but there I think there's a ton of stories out there about the economic downturn and how it affected people. And um, it's interesting that you brought that up. Like this is this what the story is about, about a black man in urban America during this time. Well, during the time the economic downturn hit, that was the impotence for my film, The Cube. But mm. it's interesting. So creatively, we both, the changes happen enough that it caused us to make something. So now I'm really interested in checking out your film now. <laughs> okay. So, but, uh, but I think that's fantastic because that's going to come to play later here, which may be able to transcend, um, you know, outside of what you might deem as your targeted audience. So very cool. So um, let's just jump into the questions. Let's see here. Um, click on over. So you see that frame right there it says question number one. So I'll, I will share yep. the questions with everybody so they know exactly kind of what we're going to be talking about. Your first question was, what are some good ways for independent filmmakers to get people's attention? For some reason, I don't know why the S got separated there. It's just my, it's this, uh, it's this frame. I'll fix that later. It looks totally, it looks terrible. <laughs> but what are some good ways for independent filmmakers to get people's attention? That's question number one. Question number two is, what are the best ways to distribute your film when you don't have money for marketing? And number three, when is the best time to go to DVD? Question number four is being uber independent, is it worth it to spend money on an aggregator to get your film onto iTunes or Netflix? And number five, if you are not looking for a distributor, are film festivals worth the time? Okay, so we can go back to this overall arching concept of what results do you want? And the reason why I bring this up as our main sort of theme here is that if we look at your first question, what are some good ways for independent filmmakers to get people's with the S in the wrong place attention? <laughs> so, and number two actually kind of comes in this as well. What are the best ways to distribute your film when you don't have money for marketing? Well, the, when we look at what marketing is from everything that I've studied and the, and the people that I follow and, the, and all the information I've gathered and curated, I've come to understand marketing simply as communicating to get a result. You know, it's a method, a, a form, an art form of communicating something, but you are trying to get a result. You may be trying to get more uh, views onto your trailer. You actually may be trying to communicate so you can make a sale. Um, so results equals I want something. So as long as you're very clear, anybody out there, what they're working on, if you are very clear what the result you want, and then that will help um, focus your marketing message and your marketing efforts. And so as we move forward, here's a graphic of push versus pull. So in the world of marketing, they have a things, uh, a concept called like push marketing versus pull marketing. And <laughs> push marketing, I mean, there are some benefits to it, but the reality is, is in today's um, online um, interconnected world of where people are sharing and um, talking to each other or so much, you see so much information being shared left and right. Um, it's very hard to utilize the old forms of advertisement, which is a very interrupted format of marketing, push marketing. You're shouting it out. You're, if you're watching like a TV show, you are interrupted by a commercial. 
you are on a, a, blo a blog post or a website and boom, there's banner ads pop up left and right. Anything to grab your attention away from what the article you're trying to read. That is called like push marketing because it's very interruptive. So the new way, the, the more effective, long-term, uh, deeper relationship building, uh, especially for the Uber independent, is what a lot of marketers uh, and business people have discovered or, or really embraced of late in the last few years is pull marketing, which is like a magnet. You're attracting uh, your, your customers, your audience, so you're asking. So with that concept in mind, um, Permission marketing sort of stemmed from this concept of pull marketing. And permission marketing comes from Seth Godin, who's like this marketing guru. And he's written a lot of books on this type of topic and anal analyzing the, the change in uh, business and marketing and uh, consumer habits. So the question to you and to all of us really is what value does your film bring to your targeted audience? And that's, you know, then you got to go back and decide, who, you know, decide who your targeted audience is. But once you can take a deep breath and decide, like, what value does your film bring to this target audience? And then you have to ask yourself, can your film serve as a catalyst for something more valuable? And the reason I bring that up, I forget, um, is that we'll come back to this question, but just something to kind of mull over just here in a second. When I was working at uh, Sony PlayStation or anybody who's working in the, the, the service department or service groups where you're creating something for a client, um, there's a saying that we used to have, which is like, you can have it fast, you can have it cheap, or you can have it good, but you have to pick two. So for the plight of the uber independent or artist of any type, a musician, a filmmaker, an author, um, when we're trying to share our work to the online world, um, we probably don't, we, we want it to be cheap because we don't have any money. There's no budget. That was one of the questions. Like, well, if you don't have really a marketing fund, how do you do this? But you want it to be good. Your efforts, you want to be good. You have to accept that it may not be fast. So the difference is where Hollywood says, you know what, we want to be a good marketing campaign and we've got to make it fast because we got to like promote or get people to know about our film coming out in opening weekend in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months. Well, we know it's not going to be cheap. So it's the same thing. Like, well, if you want to go fast and uh, if you want to be cheap, <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to spend a lot of money, but we got to move fast. Then you realize that it may not be good. So it's kind of this, this weird uh, formula. So if you can keep that in mind, like fast, cheap and good, like, you know what? I'm going to be cheap. I'm going to be good. But I can I have to embrace the fact that the, the almost the laws of this, this, I don't know, this, this um, content creation is not going to be fast or vice versa. So with that said, we can embrace that um, with this concept of the invitation, meaning that back to our questions to, to all of us is the marketing materials and messages that you post online that you're trying to invite. I'll go back here. You're inviting people into this world of the movie that you created for yours in particular. It's your, you know, drama, um, your feature film drama. And so you're asking yourself, well, the marketing materials that I create on my own, you know, maybe in the messages that I put out there, um, is it shareable? Is it valuable? Does it promote and invite others to share? So, because you're looking for the long term, you're, you know that you can't go fast because you're going to go cheap and good. So the stuff that you create, can it be shareable to allow it to grow and, and in terms of the bigger marketing message? So, um, 
when we get into the Uber independent trying to get more attention and the best ways to do that, the, the concept, the overall concept of permission marketing is identifying the conversation that's already going on in the mind of your targeted audience. So my question to you is like, do you have an idea or do you know for sure, like who's responding to your film, um, you know, really well, even though it is about a, uh, an adult uh, black male in um, urban America, but does the film and message, does it happen to respond better um, with, you know, uh, just something random with like Asian women that are 45 years old. You know, I don't know. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> <laughs> you want know to say like, we, we think, we think we, we always think we know what our audience is, but then sometimes we don't know that you'll be, you'll be surprised who actually are your fans. So who, right. who have you discovered that has responded well with your film so far, the short film and the feature film? Um, Wow, it's kind of it's kind of hard. I, it, it was still I, I would think it would be black people between the ages of. Oh no, did I lose you? He was about to give me the answer. <laughs> I'll keep talking. I know that Jamila will come back. Um, he's on his iPhone, so we'll see uh, uh, how that works out with the Google Hangouts. Um, so I'll let him know. I wish he wish the chat. He'll come back. So. I'm assuming he was going to say, and he'll clarify it when it comes back on, is that, uh, you know, black males or the black community, um, probably, you know, adults that had lived through the economic downturn of 07, 08, that have some sort of connection to that story, which would be relevant. So let's just go with that. Oh, there he goes. Hey, you're back. So I tell you where we lost you. Sorry. Right? I don't know what happened. I'll tell you, I, I, I kind of stepped in and said, I, I was I said, I think where he was gonna go was possibly um this is just a guess that you were mentioning uh black Americans uh that from the ages a little older that had uh, some personal story um with the also the downturn of the, the economic downturn of like oh seven, oh eight, oh nine. So they wouldn't be necessarily younger, um a younger uh demographic. Uh they might be like in their thirties, I suppose, you know, and, and older. Right. Yeah. I think about, about mid thirties. Okay. That would make sense. So to see sort of their story told or being represented or that feeling of what happened, um, what else kind of other responses have you that surprised you or that were kind of what you suspected people, um, like their feedback to the film? Surprises. Um, uh, well, 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 I say this is that you know one thing you just as I guess as a black filmmaker, I I, I particularly dislike seeing films that are just totally just well, it really is just either or. I don't I don't like to see totally black films as totally white films. It's just yeah. that's just not a reality in life. You know, I, I have you know my uh, I'm, my profession is a tax driver. I mean, I, I transfer <laughs> all types of people. You know. <laughs> oh wow! So, you must hear a lot of stories then. <laughs> <laughs> And some of them are actually in this film, you know. So. Oh, good. good. You're using, you're pulling from real life stuff. Good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I, I really dislike seeing that, you know. Um, yeah. Although I may understand it, but, you know, I, I really just like seeing it. So I, you know, um, purposely and, you know, just creatively, I had um, people from various uh, walks of life within the film. And, you know, I was really, I didn't know what to think, what white people would think coming to the film. I didn't mm -hmm. really know what to think, but, 
but seeing them respond afterwards, you know, there's a lot of my actors, the guys who I've worked with for years, you know, it was really refreshing and uh, surprising to see them, um, you know, to respond as, as well. Um, I am I am Muslim, and mm-hmm. I, th- there were people from mosques that came, so I, I was really, you know, you know, I'm a creative person, and I, I don't want to censor myself. So there's some language there. So I didn't know how they were going to come out. They're going to run out like church people and just crying because, you know, <laughs> there was a couple of uh, uh, four-letter words there or there, but it just, uh, regardless of the language, you know, um, they also really connected and they really saw, you know, the benefit of the film. So I was surprised at that. Those yeah. two things I was okay. surprised at. Yeah, that's actually interesting because um, what that does is like when you the idea behind permission marketing or your pull marketing when you're asking, it's it's really like you're listening. And as you know, you know, working with actors, they always they always say um, it's not acting, it's reacting. You know, like a, a really good actor is supposed to be someone who listens like so they can mm-hmm. so they're they're in the moment within that scene. And um, so the same could be true for us filmmakers now um, going into the marketing part of it. And I hope that all this stuff here is not to try to. I want to I want to make it fun because there's I think that marketing um, you can change the word if you want if you just want to say look we're not marketing I got I'm communicating to get a result and the result I want is I want to be able to share my film with a lot more people but what people like which people so what I discovered with the small audience that I received or the feedback um, you know the uh, the black community uh, between these ages maybe this sort of the jobs they work at maybe this is sort of the social economic status they're at. Um, as well as the uh, Islam community, but I, you know, I'm not familiar with that enough to know are there subsections that would really respond to it. Like mm. they were surprised you, so you're like, hmm. Meaning, like maybe I can communicate something to that world or that targeted audience, and the result is to let them know the film exists. And then in the process of doing that, um, then there's a huge chasm of letting people know you actually have a film and then the chasm of actually paying for it, you know, <laughs> so that right. that's like almost another topic, but, um, but what we can do at least get them to, uh, the views and, uh, to know that it exists and, and go from there to, to expand upon the discussion. Um, lately the last few guests have had a guest filmmakers have come on. Um, we've really been kind of delving into this concept of, to understand what our, anyone's overall marketing message is um, when it comes to our films is to the, always go back to the theme. So can I ask you, do you know what your theme is for your film? Um, is it like love conquers all? Is it good versus evil, man versus uh, society? You know, those kind of general overgeneralized themes. Um, if you were to describe, if you can think about it, what would the theme be for um, balling? in the falling of America. Um, theme. Okay. You put me on the spot on that one. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could say, you know what? Like, so I'm sure, uh, what's the lead character's name? The, the, the main male, uh, um, lead. The oh, character. Leslie Bradley. So his, his name's Leslie Bradley, right? So does he have like a, a nickname in the film that everybody calls him? Oh, okay. And in, in the film, yeah. his name is, is his nickname is D and they call him okay. D. Okay, D. So, so D obviously he has a journey, and uh, like anybody's hero's journey, um, he's uh, he starts someplace, right? And then something happens to him that sends him on this uh, trial, like these trials of either 
inner, you know, internal turmoil or external turmoil or relationship turmoil um, that build up to a place that eventually there's a resolution. And the resolution sometimes is a, you know, uh, there has to be a transformation from where he starts to where he ends. I'm not trying to give the film away, but with it, no, yeah, yeah. So within that con uh, constructs, um, I think that um, like the overall theme would be all that under the, the, the subtext that's going on in, you know, I don't know whether or not he's trying to uh, mend a relationship. If it's mending a relationship, then the, there's a love theme there, but the, the love part of it could be, um, like, for instance, I've had people on before, like Love Conqu Conquers All or Love Heals or um, uh, like Love is Forgiveness, you know, things like that. So I don't know whether or not uh, with that, I think that helps. Well, if I had to think about it, I think, would, I think there's two uh, primary themes. I think there's definitely a love theme. Okay. Um, I think the love theme is, you know, uh, you know, with, with this, with the second film, I, you know, I want to not only with D, but I want to expand more the character of his wife in the film, um, played by Natalie Siobhan. Um, <clears throat> she plays the role of Ayanna Johnson in the film. Um, so there's a there's a love theme, and, I, and and if if it had to be, it's like, do you stay, and really for both parties, do you stay when there's infidelity? Oh, okay. Um, do you try to correct or, or mend the relationship? I kind of just leave it out there as a question. Oh, okay, okay, um, okay. And so I he, think the. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I'm. Uh, you're you're on a roll. <laughs> and then I think for the spiritual uh, theme is you know when um, and I know I'm this probably maybe a little wordy, but I think when uh, my 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 whole thing is within life. God always, in some in some form or fashion, appears to you, and when He appears to you, you know, what do you do? You heed, do you heed the call, or do you do what you want to do? <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. So that is so that's that spiritual thing would be heeding the call of God. Okay, interesting. So now, because you can refine that message if you want, what's great about it, it then that ties into the the aspects of what you would share online. Meaning when I talked about what what do you post and what do you what's your marketing message and your marketing materials. So instead of like just having a picture of the, the poster and or maybe like a like a thing about the trailer, um, you can take some still frames of just you know random scenes and um, you know do some Photoshop or some basic things where it, we've seen it all the time, like motivational you know, posters. It's like, here's the, ocean. Right. and it says, you know, some, some crappy thing about, you know, motivation that you would hang up on your wall, you know? <laughs> so the, the, the thing is, is that you could do the same concept could be used if you're on like uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it might be, um, where you share these small bits of your full film. You might be able to actually release the entire film in these small snippets, but each snippet, what you want to do, because marketing is all about communicating to get a result you're communicating the overall theme because that way um, you're not saying like, Hey, black America, check out, you know, my film. Cause that right. when, you check it, when you say like, check out my film, it's like, Hey man, you're shouting at me. Like, you know, I got enough crap of everybody shouting at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you say with an image of D, you know, and maybe like um, what's the, his wife's or girlfriend's uh, the character's name again. Oh, Ayana. Yana, Yana. So like she, 
maybe a look on her face and then maybe just like a tagline like you know goes uh like you know would you beat your man you know if he did this you know or, or right, whatever right. Like, like what it is you're trying to um connect emotionally to a very the psyche of an audience doesn't matter you know what race they're coming from or, or culture if there's universal themes that you can present questions as an invitation the idea is somebody looks at this like still frame with a question mark that ties into your theme like that then you know somebody click it and there might be a little short snippet about what your film is about like you know this is a story of d you know suffering you know like going through the economic downturn and then like you know he had a decision or something did he make it the right one or not so like leaving like a cliffhanger if you want to know more you know here goes one more here here's the trailer plus you you know but but then give them some incentive like you can watch the trailer but if you know but also get this bonus something else when i say bonus something else it's um usually in the internet marketing world what you're overall trying to do is you're trying to collect leads you know like business yeah uh, you ever seen the movie glenn gary glenn ross it was years ago um mm -hmm. but it's you know Alec Baldwin, Al Pacino, Kevin Spacey. Uh, it's like, oh, wow. yeah, so it's a David Mamet play and it plays like a play. But the, the whole thing, they, they're like, um, they're salesmen that they're all trying to win or get access, what they call the Glen Gary uh, leads, which are supposed to be golden leads, like a stack of, you know, if they made the phone calls, they would make a sale because they were like really hot leads. But these salespeople, these, all these salesmen are left with these crappy leads that that are not converting like the, the the people they are only able to call are crappy leads that nobody's gonna that those people aren't gonna buy so they, the salesperson has to be that has to work that much harder but if they had the better leads then obviously their commissions would be just a lot easier so in the world of online business and online marketing it's all about uh lead acquisition acquiring a lead to put them onto a mailing list so that's why you want to build an email list um uh so that where you can continue the conversation. So somebody who enters your, uh, what they call a sales funnel, a marketing funnel, uh, that comes onto your email list, they may not buy your film or rent your film right away. But if you can continue the conversation that is based around this theme, all these universal, the spiritual theme, and then you know the story theme, uh, both those things that you discuss further, they might get to eventually be in the right place, right state of mind throughout your relationship with them on your email list they'll finally say, okay, I'm going to finally watch this film. You know, like I've seen enough that I'm like, I, I want to finally see this. And that's the, and that is the process of, do you go fast, cheap, or good? Since you can't go fast because you don't have the money to spend, you're going to go cheap and good. This is an inexpensive way of doing it by taking the time to nurture your relationship with your audience. And that equates to what permission marketing is. Permission marketing is not shouting out because you're not trying to get a quick turnaround like hollywood can do which is like we're coming this opening weekend you know here's our film here's the trailers for this weekend this weekend this weekend and everybody's like oh when it comes friday we're trained like monkeys because we've seen enough times like all right let's see what's in. i've seen enough uh, impressions of that movie i yeah now it's coming out this weekend so if i'm gonna go see a movie it's sometimes a lot of people don't know what they want to watch the movie they just know they're going to the movie so they go yep. to the movie and then they look and they're like oh you know what I've seen enough. I've seen commercials about that one. I've seen stuff on the internet. You know, those those are like shouting out impressions that maybe, maybe there's a translation. Um, versus the way it kind of worked, I think for you, you can kind of maybe tell us about your story about 
what your happy surprise was when you showed the short film. So kind of tell us a little bit about that story of like when you made the, the short film and to your surprise, like how many people showed up for the showing? Yeah, um, I mean, prior to the, you know, we sold maybe, I don't know, 50 or 60 tickets. And at that time, you know, um, I wasn't really expecting anyone to come. Uh, my my, host, my success <laughs> for that day was seeing it on the screen. That was success, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we paid the venue off. I think we had a hundred dollars in our pockets, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I won, you know, yeah. So, but so I so we went, you know, I think the mall was covering the door collecting tickets, and I went to the booth, and then the people just started rolling in, you know. Um, then I was kind of like, wow, people, all those people come here to see my movie, <laughs> 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 blew my mind, <laughs> and to really, you know, for people to come out, you know. Um, uh, the way we did it was a short film, but uh, me and Ahmad were on screen. The you know um, we showed some mu- music videos before, and we talked oh, cool, to cool. kind of talked to everyone from the screen. Yeah, and you know so they immediately recognized when we came out. It was just that rush of. 200 people out there, everyone shaking. We actually did this. Well, that was a surprise for me. Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> just a little, just a little, little delay, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's probably coming in, there's, uh, your delay will come in and out probably, but um, can you hear me now? I see you. Yeah. Okay, cool. You guys got to listen to your voice and don't look at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, interesting, because th- this is what's really great at what you're doing. And this is where I say it's really encouraging. You know, coming from the world of hip hop, being an MC, and then getting involved with like, I'll make my own music videos, you know, nothing stopping you. And that turned into uh, your partner and friend, his poetry. And says, okay, let's turn these po- these poems into these stories. You made this short film, and then this short film turns into a feature film. So you are progressing, you know, and now you're like, well, how do I go bigger? So your first two questions are about how do I get this out there? So I hope the takeaway is that just take solace in the fact that if you are independent, if you don't have a marketing budget, that you can still have effectiveness as long as you're going, you know, slow, but you're doing it cheap, you know, so you're not spending a lot of money. Uh, if you do spend money, you can be quicker about it. Sometimes, not always, but, but the reality is you want to be good then you're trying to invite the conversation. You're trying to get people rallied around the theme, the concept of your film. So that way it's, you're not necessarily marketing on the nose of like some marketers might come in. Like if you were to hire a marketing firm, they might, they might just look at it and go, all right, we're just going to target it to, you know, black America, urban, you know, not realizing that the story it may be universal if it's presented mm-hmm. that way, because I'm actually right. like interested in that concept of how did everyone else handle the economic downturn like seven, eight years ago, whatever, six years ago? So it's one of those things like there must be stories left and right that aren't told until later. Because the, the difference right. is there's, there's time has passed where the event happened, where the catalyst, the, the, you know, shook, uh, you know, you know, people and how they dealt with it. And then there's enough time has passed that there can be sort of um, the third act resolve. You know, that you can look upon reflection. I'd be interested to see if there's stories of like someone who was a doctor or a real like broker that had a lot of money that lost it all. And what are they, what were their lessons? Or like you said, uh, 
you know, what was the um, Asian American um, life like? You know, did, did people have to go back to school? Did they have to, did they find themselves, you know, what was the honor or like the, the cultural, you know, um, norms or not norms of that world, you know, that, that type of thing. But to me, that's, that's what's fascinating about your film. That could be the hook that could be branched out of, like you said, of what you think on the nose would be your audience. Um, so that's how you would handle getting people to know because you're trying to get to the place where at least the marketing message or the, the conversation you're putting around your film, it, it, it's a method of inviting people into the conversation as well as trying to create something that is shareable, you know, to share, to expand upon the conversation. And again, um, marketing being a, a method of communicating to get a result, as long as every effort you put forth, like whatever you're going to share out to the online space, about your film, as long as it has an opportunity to invite them to share what you're offering or invite them into the conversation. And the conversation, again, is wrapped around your theme of your film. And as long as they're a call to action, which probably takes them back to the trailer, or at least try to get them onto your email list. So then you can have a further discussion with them later on. Now, if you really want to ball, like if you want to be a baller, it's like the, the concept of, um, Jeff Gitmeyer, uh, who wrote a book like The Simple Red Book of Selling that I just finished. Um, here's the concept. We always try to ask ourselves like, well, how do I sell anything, right? How do I sell my film online? How do I sell my, my music? How do I sell anything? That's not really the question he proposes. He says that the real question is um, people don't like to be sold to, but they love to buy. So people love to buy if you we can create the environment that is so conducive to buying and that's why it goes hand in hand with permission marketing because you are um listening you're extracting you're asking and you're because of the conversation you're having with the, the your fans your as you grow them one by one is that you're eventually creating this nice atmosphere for them to buy where they never feel like they're sold to so the real question is not how I sell. How do I sell? That that you push that to the side and say, you know, how do I help them buy? Like, how do I help them, the audience that I'm targeting, make the experience so wonderful that it, it's just a no-brainer for them to buy? So you by keeping that mindset of like, how do I create that environment? Then every action you do um, will come from a place of serving them, the buyer, the audience, you know, your fan base versus when you come from a mindset of like, how do I sell? Then it, it's, it's kind of sometimes a very aggressive, you know, it doesn't feel natural or it doesn't, it feels that icky sort of salesman, slimy salesman style. But if you create yeah. the environment to a buyer can thrive and enjoy their purchase, then you've done your job. So, um, and the other thing about this Baker book was it's not necessarily like who, you know, so it's not always about networking to, look at your Rolodex or, you know, your contacts list to going, here's the people I know. So it's really the mindset of who know, who knows me, <laughs> meaning like the right people need to know who you are. So what it, what it is, um, I was just uh, interviewed for, um, in uh, a podcast by Errol Avellino, um, on film thrive. And he's going to be, I think interviewing, hopefully, um, um, uh, this, these guys on YouTube, I don't know if you do follow, uh, there's a black and sexy TV. 
Mm -hmm. So these guys are like in LA based and they just do a bunch of YouTube videos, you know, skits and, and just other videos, but they're, they're blowing up because they've done steady stream of YouTube videos. And now I think their company and the, the brand that they've created around black, black, sexy TV, I think they're, you know, going to gross, you know, a million or plus or something this year just doing wow. you're not even like high-end videos but the, but they they are serving an audience a demographic a demographic of people that aren't necessarily served in the mass media so what i'm getting at is no you know what you can do is once you are comfortable knowing who your audience is that you your film you think could be um serve well uh, the is a certain Islamic community, uh, a certain, you know, um, urban black community uh, or urban community, you know, just in general, doesn't matter what the, you know, what cultural racial background it comes from. Then you can look like who already has an audience right now that I would love to have the same audience. Once you do that, then you can figure out your marketing message to try to be on the radar or be known by those people. So like say black and sexy TV, like, okay, what is my strategy, my marketing strategy, N not to g get to like one fan at a time, but how do I market myself so that uh, those guys know who I am, you know? Oh. And then meaning like, maybe there's something I could offer there or, or, or be added value to what they've already created. Because if you can create some added value to somebody who already has a massive audience that you want to be in front of, then, th then that's how you source in business, that's how everybody supercharges their their audience following, their fan following, their business followings, because you sort of, um, you know, somebody creates something like if you say you eventually build like an epic following, um, you're not you may not be able to serve your audience 100 percent the way you want to. And then somebody out of nowhere comes and, and is a good Samaritan, uh, you know, a good member of the community. <coughs> You know, just maybe talking to you on Twitter or sharing your stuff or being a real big fan. And then and then you have a conversation with that person and then they let you know that they have something they're creating that could be an added value to already what you're doing for your audience. And then you're like, shoot, man, I love what you're doing there. Let's blast this out. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, like, that's how you can help somebody if you had a big audience, you know, to take their small audience and grow bigger because you're you're saying, hey, I. Uh, you've you've done enough of being a good member of my community and um, the stuff that you always add to the the, the community discussions are always great you know let's just let's continue it let's go bigger so one of those things you in order to um, really start you know going bigger that way is find a community or community leaders or influencers that already have the audience you want and just figure out a way to add to that community and then by default you're going to be in front of a lot of other more people that then that can turn around and go oh cool who's this guy like sharing like you know the latest music video or some snippets or this cool conversation or and then all of a sudden they say oh i know who you are so they don't feel so bad when you say yeah if you want to know more you know click this link to my trailer my film oh sweet okay yeah i've i've been following you but the thing is, they, they didn't have to discover you on their own in a sense that they were because they're not searching for you. So you kind of have to get in front of them, but get in front of them in a conversation they're already having. And when I say conversation, it's sometimes just fans just following somebody's uh, like videos and they're commenting in the comment section. 
So you, mm-hmm. in the one quick hack for anybody out there listening is like, if you know there's an audience that you wish you could have because some other creator has already done a lot of the legwork, you have to just try to be that person, be the first person to, to comment on the latest video post or blog post. Like you got, you got to be just like over enthused to be like the first one on. And then after that, you, cause that way you can kind of control the dialogue, the questioning um, of everybody else that follows it. And then if somebody in the community is a- asking questions about something, if you are showing that you can help answer it on behalf of that influencer, then it's just y- your face and your name and what you offer is um, a value within that community. And you have any, you don't even need an email list right away because you're already in front of a, that community. Not everybody's you know, going to comment right on a video or something, but people scroll down and love to read comments. So mm-hmm. if you are witty or if you're adding value, um, you know, so it has to go beyond just like real cool video. You know, it's got to be like, right. <laughs> I really, you know, connected to this message that you're talking about. And, and you try to invoke um, discussion by saying, you know, that last video was amazing and the re- amazing because I really connected with the message about infidelity or whatever it might be. Um, it goes, I question for the community, if anybody's reading this comment, what do you guys think about, you know, the dilemma between this character or this character or these bigger spiritual questions or whatever it might be. So already you're kind of like hijacking the comment section and you don't even, it's not even your audience, but because you're there adding value and helping create discussion, um, eventually over time, you know, it's, it won't be hard pressed to say, Hey, thanks everybody for sharing this you know, conversation on this, this guy's, uh, this creator's great work. If you want to see what I'm doing, you know, or whatever, it's like, I invite you to this thing. And so that, that way you can kind of naturally, and not sleazy, you know, cause you kind of have to do it very organically. You, right. You know, you don't want to get to that place where, man, this, I could totally tell this guy's going to come around the corner and here it comes. Here's that, that <laughs> link he's going to give to us. Like, it's it's you got to be real smooth about it and you got to be real authentic about it so um, that that's one quick hack that you can do right now that doesn't cost you money that can get your your work and who you are to a bigger audience if you've already engaged into somebody who has a big audience that you want so something like, i don't know if that makes sense <laughs> yeah makes perfect sense cool so let me jump on to um question number three Let's see here. You see this question number three. The question number three you had was, uh, when is the best time to go to DVD? Well, um, the one way to look at this is simply ask, meaning you ask your audience already. Like if you, you can even offer up like a little um, question, like do you want, um, would you prefer this movie in DVD? Click here, you know? And what you can do is use a service like Amazon's CreateSpace because this is um, on-demand printing means that you may um, not make as much money if you did a bulk printing of your DVDs. But the great thing about, um, um, oops, all this stuff. Uh, The great thing about like using a a, on-demand printing service or replication and shipping service is that like CreateSpace has it where um, the book I wrote just recently, how to make and sell your film online and survive the Hollywood implosion while doing it. I wrote it as a Kindle. So it's part of a ebook. It's an audio book. So I had to use the um, self-publishing service ACX for audible, 
but I use CreateSpace because if somebody wants a paperback version, which is right behind me, literally you can upload your digital file and create an account. And then if somebody indeed wants a paperback version, they just order it and through Amazon, through their service, they will print on demand like a paperback version and ship it out to the person who wants it. So the same thing could go with a DVD. Um, if somebody wants it right away, that way you don't have to worry about the overhead of you know having a warehouse or a garage and you have to pack it and ship it and send it out, you know? So, um, and then if you have a lot of demand, if you're seeing there's a, increased sales numbers of people wanting it in a DVD format, then at that particular time, you can decide, you know what, I think it's time for us to go to a bulk rate. Like, let me find a duplication replication service. We'll make a bulk rate and we'll handle the shipping receiving ourselves, you know? Um, but in the meantime, you can right away use the service for free. It just means that, uh, and you, you're, it just means the percentage you get back, um, uh, might be a little lower than if you did it in bulk, but that's fine. Cause you're, you're scaling appropriately. You're using, utilizing a free service and you should be happy to, that they exist to allow you to serve your, your customers and your audience that way. So I would say go for it right away. If you want, you know, just put it up there. And if somebody wants it, there is, it's no, it's just like a, a day of you, um, filling out the forms, filling out an account and then, uh, sending a, like a DVD to them. And then they will then have it on their file to replicate when somebody buys uh, a version for you. So yeah, you can do that right away if you want <laughs> and guess what? So let's see here. Um, I'm going to jump to uh, the next question, which is question number four and question number five. And that kind of takes us to the tail here. Oh, we have it. Okay. There it is. All right. Question number four. Question number four, you asked being uber independent. Oh, whoops. That, that's not what I want. Here we go. Sorry. My mouse <laughs> got nucky. Um, being uber independent, is it worth it to spend money on an aggregator to get your film onto iTunes or Netflix? And number five, if you're not looking for a distributor, are film festivals worth the time? Um, again, this all comes down to what results do you want? So with that said, here's a plan. Here's if you want to get onto iTunes, Netflix, Amazon, and you are indeed a uber independent filmmaker where you don't have a distribution deal, you don't have any formal relationship with a distributor. And if you don't have any name stars, like it is like just you, you know, some local talent uh, and just a good story or whatever you made was the best you can do. Um, the only strategy is really to make it work for you and using an aggregator on any of the platforms, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, iTunes, is the hack. This is how the hack goes. You, oh, sorry. So you would uh, essentially say, okay, we're going to pay an aggregator anywhere from like $800 to $1,500 to $2,500 for the flat service to do the quality assurance technical tests on our digital file and then they are the middle. They are the approved middleman uh, service to get that up onto the platforms. Um, oh, did I lose you? Oh, you're back. <laughs> I'm I'm back. It just keeps crashing. I'm not actually sure what's going on, but I'm here. You're good. You're good. So so, um, 
So once you understand like that's the ex one of those expenses you have, so you're gonna need to make sure that you can try to uh, have an audience in place that uh, can recoup your costs on these, the cost of paying an aggregator. But the hack is you really try to drive um, interest and, and orders during the pre-sales. So you say you get into iTunes and you know the release date of your iTunes or you set the release date of when you want your film to be released on iTunes. So it's sort of like a reverse crowdfunding, meaning that, okay, in 60 days, our film is going to go live in iTunes. So within the next 60 days, we have to hustle our asses off to get as many people to, one, pre-order the film, two, get ready to leave a rating review on the film. And so what happens is if iTunes sees any film that gets loaded up and then all of a sudden they see like a, a good volume of pre-sales coming, you know, and then they'll take a notice. They'll maybe contact the aggregator and the ag aggregator says, yeah, this, this filmmaker, independent filmmaker came to us and we, we put it up there and uh, they're doing a really good job of getting people, driving them to pre-sales. So I don't know how they're doing the marketing. I don't know how they're doing the promotion. But like I say, if you can get a hundred, if you get a hundred friends that says, I will pre-order your film, um, that triggers the, uh, the search algorithm so that, that if your film is then perhaps released on the day that you say it's going to release, then you maybe have a, a, a week or two or eight days or something like that on iTunes top shelf. So like somebody new and noteworthy. So you're scrolling down, like if somebody's trying to figure out what to watch that weekend, um, they might come to the indie section, like new on independent films. And then your film may show up there because you've done the legwork of driving people to pre-sale orders as well as driving people to leave <sighs> a rating and review. Because somebody on iTunes could just leave a rating review and they can just say like, hey, I saw this film at the uh, local premiere or I, I saw this film at this film festival. So good. Like anything to, to drive like that uh, five-star uh, rating review within either iTunes or you can do the same thing with Amazon. What happens is it creates this social proof that when the film is released and I'm scrolling through it, I don't know anything about anything. And I come across your film and uh, I see the trailer. And then after the trailer, it shows like all these reviews that people have left already, or even once it's, you know, ready to go. It's like it, it, it psychologically creates an environment for the buyer that says this might be worth checking out. So that's yeah. why, you know, I mean, that's why you would, but you have to have that strategy in place and you have to work your ass off to like get as many people as possible to do a pre-order and then to make the sales after the sales and then really leave those ratings review on those sites. Uh, the same thing can be said with uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I haven't quite delved deeper into it, but you can get to a place where you get your film prior to release is uh, get as many people that are already on Rotten Tomatoes or maybe find a few approved um, reviewers at certain newspapers or publications or blogs that could be part of the Rotten Tomato um, community to leave you a ratings and review. You know, hopefully a good one, you know, because <laughs> what happens in iTunes, like you click and you can see what the critics review is and the customer reviews. You know, if it just shows like a handful, like we're talking like if you can get 50 reviews, that that still looks legit. You know what I mean? Like it's like it looks like people took the time to make an effort to watch this film and leave a review. And that could actually help. It's a still kind of a mystery, but it may actually help 
in the natural um, afterlife of your iTunes um, search algorithm. So, so what happens like all of a sudden a Hollywood sub indie film comes out in the, the same, you know, uh, you know, whatever in the, the urban black uh, uh, story or something, they might pair it saying other, you know, other uh, customers have also seen this or related movies. So because you've done some legwork in creating uh, pre-sales, you've done legwork and getting some reviews, you might later on show up organically in a attachment to other films that might be uh, similar to that. So that's a hack. That is a, a strategic way that a distribution company would do this, you know, a, um, so it, the same hack can be applied, um, to the, uh, Uber independent. So once you get that, like, say you are in the top, you know, the, the, the shelf space on like opening week, opening day of like when you release your film and you're scrolling through iTunes and it shows up as like new and noteworthy under independent films, you got to screenshot that or as many times as possible. And then you got to double down and start promoting that online and, and meaning like, um, adding it to the message, the overall marketing message that you've created already and just show social proof like, hey, you know, thank you so much for everyone out there to helping us land on iTunes top chart or whatever it might be. So then like, you know, yeah. I, I might have, I might later on go, holy crap, they did it. You know, like that's awesome. You know, even though I might know that's how the game is played, it doesn't discount all the effort and hard work that goes into making that happen, you know, in making and yeah. gaming the system. I say gaming the system, but hopefully that makes a little bit clearer of if you were going into it to, to use an aggregator, you still have to do so much work after that to make it work to your advantage. And then after that, then you double down again by showing social proof that boom, I did it. I got top charts, you know, for, it might only last for a week, but you better grab as many st still frames and, and hoopla around it to promote it later on. So that's strategy. Um, number one, you could use. And then your question about film festivals. Um, it all depends on obviously the festival and sort of this concept of what you want to get out of it, which is the topic of this show or this week's show, which is called what results do you want? And so let me ask you from your initial understanding of the film festival world, do you have any idea of what kind of results you would, you would hope to get out of a, of a film festival run? Honestly, I don't know what to expect of it. Uh, oh no, I lost him again. <laughs> He'll come back on. So, uh, in order to, you know, oh yeah, am I back? You're back. Go ahead and say it again. Uh, we lost you there for a sec. Um, uh. But what I was saying is I honestly don't know what to expect from the film festivals. I had a couple of actors that came out and saw the film and they, they really liked it. And she was like, oh, wow, this needs to be in Kane's Film Festival. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, you know, I go and check and then, you know, but a lot of the big film festivals, they don't, they frown upon uh, self-distribution. Uh, so, hey, well, I guess I can't go to Kane's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, so I don't know if that's, the uh, the whole thing of film festival is is looking to sign a deal, um, but my thing is is you know, I guess just initially, regardless of I'm just I'm just at this point I'm just I just want to see what happens with it. 
you know, uh, as far as uh, applying to film festivals, you know, um, at, at the very least, you know, it gets, my film gets seen in front of some people who, you know, uh, were once unfamiliar and now all familiar. I got and you. then there's, you know, there's also the, the, you know, the probability of maybe winning a prize or, and maybe that will uh, uh, enhance, you know, because if it wins best feature film, you know, um, maybe that will enhance my whole marketing strategy in, in trying to, uh, to appease uh, to a greater audience. Yeah, definitely. So there's a couple ways to go about this. Um, with that understanding with the results is, um, so let's say the dark side of the, the film festival world, and there's a good side too. Um, collectively, there's only a handful of the very prominent film festivals that are also considered like markets, meaning that you'll actually have uh, real buyers and sellers of films at those particular markets. But the reality is, is most films that are going to be premiering any of those major festivals had already um, uh, prior relationships with film buyers in the film market world. Oh. So it's like, it's, it's kind of like a convention, meaning that you, whatever convention we might be of any industry, we might have prior conversations with those uh, potential buyers of our services or, or products. And then by the time we go to the convention, it's sort of just a formality, meaning that we're here to party. We've been talking, you know, online for in, on phone calls and meetings. Uh, but now like the, we're at the convention, we could just sign the deal. So a film festival is sort of like that where um, they, like a film company might already know, or just distribution company already knows they're going to buy this film, but they need mm -hmm. this false press to make it feel like, all right, um, within the first day, you know, this film got picked up and sold for like 3 million. But nobody really knows whether or not it was already decided like two weeks earlier. But the press needs to have something to write about when they're at the film festival, right? So, right. and then the, the thing too is that because we're artists, um, this concept of the American Idol syndrome, this, this concept of being discovered uh, is as old as Hollywood. The, the beautiful starlet that's working as a, a cocktail waitress is discovered by a talent agent and then their whole world changes and they become a superstar, right? That is ingrained into the, the lore of Hollywood and filmmaking. And so there's all you need is a few outliers where this actually happened to give the, the possibility to the rest of us to believe that it could happen. Meaning that when we go to a film festival, there's always that hope, like maybe I will win the lottery, essentially. Like maybe, right. maybe I will win and maybe something <laughs> wonderful will happen. It's, and it should not be, def, I'm going to say it, it shouldn't be discounted because I, I'm, I'm, I feel the same way because I, I would never want to tell somebody don't do it because what happened if they did it and it, it's something that ounce of magic did happen. The only difference is right. you kind of have to weigh out. Like I only have so much money to submit to certain festivals because sometimes they're $50, $80 a pop, you know? And there's no guarantee I'm going to get in or not get in. And then once, yep. I'm, once I am accepted, I have no guarantee of when my film is going to be uh, shown at the festival. I don't know whether or not it's at some school classroom that the projector guy rolls down and it's, you know, the screen is no bigger <laughs> than my flat screen TV. It, the, the stuff like happens and you look around, there's like three people that showed up, you Whoa. know, and you're like, and, and you might get the laurel leaf that you could put on your DVD or your poster. Right. But, I always thought like the concept of the laurel leaf 
in marketing, it's used as a means of testimonials or a method of validation. Um, but if you look at some films that come through, if you look really closely at those laurel leaves, there might be a, a, like 10 of them plastered on the, on the poster. And you look closely and it's like, um, you know, best film, best short, whatever it might be. And you look at the film festival, like I've never heard of that film festival. <laughs> You know what I mean? So like, but, but the difference is that they understand that because they're just showing, trying to show that it has some validity out in the festival circuit. But that only really matters to people that are film fans. When we're talking about a deeper connection with somebody, your theme has a deeper connection to a bigger audience than just film fans. And what would mean more to them if, imagine if you had tw a dozen film festival laurels leaves all over your poster of like no name festivals, right? Nothing's bad about it, <laughs> but I'm just saying that if you had that, right. would that convince a, a customer of your film after watching it to, to make that decision to buy it? Because what happens, we've seen so many of those things on posters that maybe it's lost its uh, marketplace value. Mm. Like as opposed to, say you had a testimonial from someone famous, I don't know. Like, who's your favorite favorite MC? Uh, One. Oh, wow. Okay, that's cool. Love it. So, KRS One. What happened if he left a mess? Said, "Damn, like one of the best you know films I've seen." He said that. That would have a lot more weight than film festivals. So, like, maybe you spend like fifty dollars a pop on twelve film festivals, or you take that money and figure out a way to get in front of his people, you know, <laughs> you mean like, the, the, right. you mean you have just as much luck as like getting to a film festival, stuff like that. So you have to decide what result you want to get. If the result is that you just want to have the film festival experience, then that's what you have to go into mentally going, I'm putting down 50 bucks, hoping that I have an opportunity to have the film festival experience and the film festival experience with the smaller festival is a celebration of film in that particular community. It's a cultural event. So it shouldn't be discredited. It just means that the filmmakers expectations have to be matched to what that film festival represents. Um, so that way you're not disappointed when like, maybe you don't win an award or you're disappointed that you didn't get picked up for distribution or, you know, you didn't meet the millionaire investor, you know, that kind of thing. But if you right. go into it going, this film festival, it uh, celebrates the, the cultural event in the community uh, this way. And they seem to have a really good time throwing good parties with people of uh, the film community. I will go into the film festival that way and make sure that I celebrate the film festival. You know, because a lot of people will say, uh, you know, once you're at the film festival, you got to hustle to get people to see your film. Um, you know, so you only may get a handful. You might work your ass off and get 12 people to see your film. Um, or then you might meet other filmmakers y again. Yes. It's, it's those who travel the film festival circuit allow, have given themselves the opportunity to meet other filmmakers, other producers, other cinematographers, other editors, everything like that to expand their network of other filmmakers. But if you, um, but I can tear, I can guarantee you it will get you there faster is if you looked at something and said, you know what, I'm just going to go after KSR one you know, and then I got them. And then I'm going to share that story with other filmmakers, uh, filmmakers around the world will want to know how you did it or what your story is. 
And then you don't have to do it, you know, one at a film festival, like your, your same experience of communicating and uh, connecting with other filmmakers um, online could be uh, done faster and more efficiently than if you go in person. Um, now, a lot of people are saying that like, dude, I no, 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 like film festivals are great and they are, they can be great. I just think every, all filmmakers need to have the expectation of and understand what the result is, like uh, what results do they want to get out of it? So like for you, maybe you should do it, do a few of them like that you think you can afford um, that or don't give a crap whether or not you're also selling it on Vimeo on demand. Then when you're there, you know, really do some research about like what makes that festival kick, you know, like what makes it worth it and then enjoy the cultural event and, and almost maybe not expect too much. That way you'll won't be disappointed and enjoy the whole process, you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of filmmakers get really bummed out because they will go through the festival circuit and feel like what they hope the result would be, it doesn't mesh up. Um, so just, so in terms of that, uh, I guess that's my, my outside observation. Like, you know, I never sent the cube into any festivals because one, I was like $50, you know what I do? I'll just, I know some semi-famous people, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll treat them to a, a beer for like 10 bucks, you know, <laughs> and then have them right. watch it and just you leave me a blurb. So now I have a blurb. So it has some legitimacy, yeah. but it doesn't, you know, it saved me the, the cost of uh, putting on a, a laurel leaf that maybe I would have gotten and I wouldn't gotten. So, um, but I was real, I was being realistic about the type of film I had. If I had thought that, that I had some more um, leverage to the film, that it could potentially be a very strong contender in the festival circuit that I might've gone down that path. So each filmmaker has to make that decision on their own. Um, you know, I was just being much more, I think, realistic in my concept of what I really had. And so, mm. but I, I, I did understand the reality and the importance of having some sort of testimonial tagline added to the poster as a social proof and expert or authoritative, you know, um, um, what do you call it, um, validation. So. So those are things to think about in terms of business and marketing for your film and the marketing to get a result. Um, I'm going to take a quick drink if you want a water real quick. I, I kind of get rambling. Sorry. Oh, you're good. <laughs> mm. I, I, I really had that same uh, feeling of, of film festivals that was just a big American idol. Yeah. And it's hard because there are some wonderful people that I had a great conversation Um um oh god i'm drawing a blank i'm gonna i almost want to cut this real quick so i want to i know <laughs> the, um i had this a couple of film marketing friday sessions ago uh, a couple of weeks where we had the discussion of you know well what do you do if you don't take your film to a film festival so there's a whole uh discussion with another filmmaker in the bay area um that talks about that um but prior to that episode we talked about you know, film festivals, yay or nay. So um, let me see here real quick. I will, um, yeah. So, uh, oh, here we go. Look at me, sorry, the, the delay guys. So I had uh, my guest a few, man, about two months ago, um, Brian Patrick, who's a festival director um, out there near your neck of woods, I think, in Virginia. Um, okay. the, Sky, the Skyline Indie Film Fest. And the thing about what he does is that he owns an independent bookstore. 
And he wanted to have an opportunity because he was a lover of independent film. And he put together a cultural event for his community. And the thing is, is he, because he wanted to get really good, you know, feature films or films into his um, festival to celebrate the community of that, you know, to say, look, you know, we have culture here too, you know? <laughs> and the thing is, is that, um, so he's very clear about the benefits and the sort of celebration that he wants uh, for the filmmakers and the community. So the difference is if a filmmaker comes into his particular film festival and they're expecting to be like, I, I want my, my entry fee waived. I want to be flown out first class. I want to have everything taken care of for me. You know, the reality is like, look, we, we're not that big of an organization. We can't weigh the fees because we don't make any money off this. The fees help drive the event in the first place, you know, and when you're here, we do our best to make sure you're taken care of. And we show you to a very, you know, loyal, dedicated audience that, that is hungry for this independent cinema in this, in this neck of the woods. So the difference is if you enter a film festival that way, it might be right in your backyard. And then, so it's not that uh, of a stretch to just drive down or drive up or wherever it might be. And that way you're there. And to make it successful for you and the festival, you have to spend a lot of time within the day, a week ahead of time, just hustling so people know that you exist, that your film exists. And if you are really in alignment with what your marketing message is, which is the theme of your film, that can help transcend an audience that might go, yeah, you know, I'm not really into hip hop or urban stuff. But if they heard the story of like, you know, I can connect with that. I had, I remember I had my own personal story of how to overcome the economic crash when it happened. You know what I mean? So then right. if you're promoting that at that event, you might have a really great turnout and you might turn out and win the event. And you know what? You come away with it. Hopefully you will collect them on email list. So, you know, if you can continue the conversation with them, with your other work down the line, that is value. That is a strategic value that you can do when you're at a film festival because you're already in a place where people are hungry for independent cinema. So to get them onto your email list is a very strong marketing tactic. And then that way you can decide, all right, the film costs me or the entry fee cost me 50 bucks. And um, my time down there, my expenses, I don't know, whatever, a couple hundred, whatever it might be. So say I, like the whole weekend or the whole week I'm at the film festival, it's, it's say it cost me $300. But in the process, I was able to make sales because the film festival I chose allowed us to make sales on our DVDs or our, you know, our film. And I was able to sign autographs or whatever it might be. And we made a profit of like $600. So boom, it wasn't a total loss. Because essentially, if you look at film festivals as sort of like you're a rock band or, or I'm sorry, you're rock band slash you're an MC, you're going on tour, right? So you have to do a live right. performance. So you have that added value you can do already in conjunction with your film. So you do a live performance, mm. but then you sell t-shirts. Well, you do live performance. Your live performance is your film at the film festival. And then you turn around and sell DVD copies or t-shirts. And then you look back at your efforts and go, okay, that road trip, our expenses cost us this much and we profited this much. And the long-term relationship is that we collected, you know, 1,200 1, emails. So each lead, each email is maybe considered a lead. Those Glenn Gary, Glenn Gary uh, leads, those magic leads. And so these leads are like true fans. Um, and so that might be worth like each lead might be worth a dollar. So that, you know, if you begin to look at it that way, then you look at it as a business and you try to look at it as numbers wise of, of 
the cost of acquisition, meaning cost, like how much did you had to spend out to either make a profit or acquire lifelong leads for your work, you know? So then festivals have a different perspective, you know what I mean? But if you go in and mm. the traditional thought of like, am I going to win an award? Am I going to be discovered like an American Idol? But if I take it going, you know what, I'm going to use every little little festival that I can get my hands on as my version of of touring the world as an MC or, you know, a mm. musician. So it's, it, it could be the new equivalent of the independent filmmakers version of, you know, I got booked at a, you know, a club. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> hey. I don't know. So we're kind of hitting the hour mark here and I did a lot of yapping, but I want to make sure before we wrap up here that I didn't like leave um, some un unanswered questions for you or, or something that you're not quite clear, or maybe I babbled on too much about one thing. No, you, uh, you, you, you hit everything on point. Okay, cool. <laughs> so what I do is uh, part of it. I mean, we were talking about call to action, you know, like, mm -hmm. so when you start doing any sort of marketing things out there, if you're leaving like a short snippet of a music video or even like a short set, like if you, if you use something like a Vine and you do a six second scene from your movie, is there a way that you can add like a call to action in the crawl below or anything you do on social media the concept is leave a call to action. So this would be my call to action right here. So um, when I go up to this slide here and I present it to everybody that, have, that has sat through the hour to watch this or listen to this um, podcast or watch it as a Google Hangout on YouTube, um, my goal is for them to get value out of it. That's where I'm adding value to the conversation of the, the Uber independent filmmaker. And then I need to always have a call to action. And the call to action I leave for uh, this week is I mentioned to everybody, listen, if you sat this long to go through all this stuff, then treat yourself. Don't go away empty handed because I do offer a free video on demand and digital download report. So a lot of independent filmmakers are in the dark about how VOD, um, what VOD sales projections are. So like if you need some VOD sales projections in order to best gauge your next project, if you're trying to raise money or build a business plan out for your next film project, um, this these free reports may help you um, get a better concept of where your film project fits into the whole thing. So you can sign up and you can get this weekly uh, video, video on demand and digital download report sent directly to your email inbox. You'll get the analysis of the VOD and digital download numbers. You'll get an analysis and case study of the 1% rule. And yes, this is a weekly film marketing analysis from Film Trooper. And all you have to do is go to freevodreports.com to pick up and start getting your free um, uh, VOD reports sent to your in inbox on a weekly basis. And that wraps it up for Film Trooper Presents Film Marketing Fridays. I've been uh, Scott McMahon, your host, and Jamil Player. Can you can say bye, and we can wrap it up. <laughs> you want to say goodbye? Bye. Thanks. Thanks, and be yes, sure sir. to check Thanks. out um, all the links to this show um, are going to be available um, below, so you can download all the PDF slides, and then also the links to uh, Jamil's work, so you can check out uh, his latest feature film. Um, which after the conversation with them today, I think I will. <laughs> so thanks very much, everybody. And we'll wrap it up here. But Jamil, you can hold on because when I close out the live broadcast, you and I can still stay on, um, you know, just to do a wrap up private conversation. Sound okay. good?
Yes, All right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, everyone, hanging out. I'll see you next time on Film Marketing Fridays.